0: Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.
1: Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. There's a high fly ball from KMOX Sports. That's <laughs> it deep to left field, and it's a gunner. Welcome to the Meyer Jensen Sports on a Sunday morning. And the driving jam time. And the Billikens win this one. Meyer Jensen, a personal injury law firm, because sometimes the gloves have to come off. MeyerJensen.com. Come back, pattern caught. Touchdown, Kansas City. Now, sports on a Sunday morning on America's Sports Voice. KMOX. Here we go. Hour number two here on
2: KMOX by Claiborne in this morning. We had a fun hour with visiting with Bernie Federko, Chris May, and Katie Wu of The Athletic. This hour, we'll have a chance to talk with Howard Richards of the University of Missouri broadcast team and also Missouri Sports Hall of Famer, and John Moselock, president of the St. Louis Cardinals, as far as the baseball operations are concerned. So we'll have a chance to visit with them. We'll talk some college football as well. Interesting interesting items taking place in the world of college football. And we'll talk some pro football also. As you look at the schedule, I I think – when you think about the schedule, that Dallas-Kansas City game that you'll hear right here on KMOX, uh 325 is scheduled start time. That, that's going to be a scuffle there. I mean, those are two teams that I think are, are trying to really create some distance between themselves and everyone else. Pittsburgh, they will be in Los Angeles to take on the Chargers tonight. That'll be an interesting game also. But other than that, when you look at the schedule, you say, ah, Baltimore. And then Baltimore just announced that Lamar Jackson will not play. They're in Chicago, so now all of a sudden the Bears have a chance. Cleveland is just trying to make sure they don't become the first victim of the Detroit Lions as the Lions are still looking for their first victory of the season. Houston and Tennessee, ah, that could be interesting to a point. Minnesota's a Green Bay. That's always fun. Miami and the New York Jets. You probably only follow that one unless you have somebody on a fantasy team or you have family members that are playing in that game. That, that game has no real issues. New Orleans is at Philadelphia. New Orleans doesn't have a quarterback. Philadelphia is trying to figure out a few things along the way, so we'll see how that unfolds. Washington at Carolina. Washington football team will take on Carolina with uh, Cam Newton making his home debut. That should be a lot of fun. I know the fans are going to be excited about that. Jacksonville is hosting the San Francisco 49ers, and the 49ers are just trying to make sure they're not the third Jacksonville victory of the year. Cincinnati's in Vegas. I don't know what to say about Cincinnati. Just when I was about to buy in on them, they, they laid an egg or two. And then again, you don't know what you're going to get with Vegas. I already mentioned Kansas City hosting the Dallas Cowboys. Arizona, uh, it's going to be a game-time decision about Kyler Murray. They're going to face the Seattle Seahawks, who are going no place fast, in my opinion. As I mentioned, we've got the Raiders, I'm sorry, the uh, Chargers hosting the Pittsburgh Steelers tonight. Monday night football, it'll be the New York Giants in Tampa to take on the Buccaneers. So there you have a little bit of that schedule that's going to unfold. We're going to take another break. We'll come back on later in the show and talk some college football because I think the best receiver in the country is from St. Louis, Missouri. And I'll tell you about that a little later, along with who I think might have moved to the front of the class on the Heisman Trophy Watch, and a few other things going on. We'll have that discussion coming up in just a bit, but we're going to talk with Howie Richards
1: when we come back on KMOX. There's a high fly ball. Welcome back to the Meyer Jensen Sports on a Sunday morning. And it's a gunner. Big Meyer Jensen, a personal injury law firm, because sometimes the gloves have to come off. MeyerJensen.com. And the Billikens win this one. Touchdown, Kansas City! On America's Sports Voice,
2: KMOX. Welcome back, everybody. Let's go to the Quiver River Electric Cooperative. Guest line and standing by is a gentleman who's not only one of the fine broadcasters for the University of Missouri, he's got the hottest podcast going. It's called Huddle Up with Howard. You can just check it out, and I guarantee you'll have a good time with it. He is Howard Richards. Good morning, sir. Good morning, my friend. How are you today? I'm doing well. I, I think I'm doing almost as well as you are, considering how the game ended yesterday, where Missouri not only won in dramatic fashion, but they found themselves punching a ticket to perhaps be part of postseason play with a bowl game.
3: You know, this this team, uh, I, I have to say I'm really proud of what they've been a- what they've been able to accomplish, uh, especially late in the season. You know, they were a much maligned uh, defensive team and uh, didn't seem to be able to stop anyone uh, on that side of the ball, but they had a little bit of a breakthrough when they played Georgia. Um, And uh, last week against South Carolina, uh, a lot of those lessons that they they learned against the number one team in the nation seemed to carry over. Played a solid ball game defensively uh, against the Gamecocks and, Yesterday against Florida, a really good offensive team and a team with a a lot of talent that unfortunately just hadn't seemed to be able to um, get together and had been trending downward. You know, they played a whale of a defensive game. Um, And, you know, Eli, I think he he quieted a lot of critics uh, in a, a lot of different areas um and has as you mentioned punched his ticket to a bowl game and um he made a promise to center mike maietti who returned for his sixth season uh the transfer in from, from rutgers and he's the leader of the offensive line group uh he made a promise that if you return uh to the missouri tigers in 2021 i promise you that we'll make a bowl game and uh eli made good on that promise and yeah, couldn't be happier for him, couldn't be happier for this team, and uh, couldn't be happier for Mike Mietti.
2: You know, you mentioned the Georgia game. I thought Missouri beat themselves more than Georgia beat them. Uh, now, you could say, whether well, the Georgia's talent forced them to make mistakes, and that could be true. But I agree with you. I think there were some lessons learned that they have been able to not only learn the lesson but apply the adjustments that put them in a situation where they played much better since Georgia. But in your opinion, where has this team improved most?
3: Well, certainly the last three weeks, it's been defensively. Um, The defense really kind of saved the day, uh, even yesterday. Um, The offense, even though, you know, there's a lot of talent there, Connor Bazelak has not been himself. Uh, You know, there were a lot of boos yesterday. And uh, truth be told, you know, he's, he's injured. He's playing injured. But in spite of that, Eli felt that Connor is the guy that gives Missouri the best chance to win. And yesterday, <laughs> I, I think Eli proved why he's the coach, and he quieted a lot of his critics by keeping Basilek in there, um, who you know made a, a, a game-winning um, two-point conversion, uh, pass completion to tight end um, uh, Parker um, to, to take the lead and actually win the football game with a walk-off win. Um, and, and that's why you, you're paid to make those types of decisions. So it, the easy way out would have been to play for a tie. But, you know, I, it was a gutsy call, and I, I, my hat's off to Eli for making that decision. And, uh, you know, it, it, to me, it, 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 it sends a statement, uh, not so much to the rest of the league, but to this team that if you, as you mentioned, don't beat yourself making mistakes. If you play hard, if you play hard and with conviction, You're going to win more games than you
2: lose in critical situations. Howard Richards is our guest. You know, Tyler Beatty is the guy that's starting to turn some heads. You know, I I felt early in the season he was putting up numbers against teams that probably weren't in that category of of really what I would call legitimate competition. Now he's starting to do it against teams within the conference, which is a total statement that says that this young man – is a good player. Now I don't know what that trans- transcends into being in the NFL, and I really don't care. Uh, I really worry about what he does at Missouri every Saturday, and we'll figure out next year on its own. But give me your thoughts on him and, and what sort of impact he's had, because it obviously has given the Missouri offense uh, versatility, where teams won't sit back and think they're going to throw it every down.
3: Tyler Beatty is Missouri's most valuable player, uh, hand down. He is a complete football player. Uh, We know what he can do when he runs the football. He catches passes. He blocks extremely well. Uh, He's just a a complete guy. He's he's football savvy. He's a team leader. He's unselfish. I don't know if there are many more superlatives that I could throw out to describe him, but he is the guy that has really carried his team um, at critical times also on the offense. And, uh, you know, he's he's certainly going to be missed when he's gone. But uh, he's a guy that stepped up last year. I think there were questions about, you know, once Larry Roundtree moved on to the NFL and the L.A. Chargers, could Tyler Beatty carry the load? Well, he he worked himself up into tremendous shape. He gained somewhere between 20 and 25 pounds off the muscle. Didn't lose any speed. Uh, but he has been the guy uh, because of his work in the off season, his work ethic, uh, and his ability to just get it done on Saturdays. And, you know, there's this thing called the Heisman. I don't know how that all will work out for him, but um, my guess is he might be one of the invitees. He's leading the SEC and rushing, has a chance um, with, the, with games against Arkansas and whoever Missouri plays in a bowl game to become Missouri's all-time leading rusher. And wow. um, I don't know that anyone would be more happy to see him eclipse that mark than I will.
2: Now, <clears throat> yeah, being a former offensive lineman, yeah, you love when those guys uh, rack up those yards. And I, I get it. So now Missouri has Arkansas. I don't know if you noticed yesterday, offensively, uh, ar- uh, defensively, Arkansas wasn't very good. Uh, they let a guy throw for almost 600 yards in passing. They had another guy rush for over 100 yards. Uh, so defense was not their strong suit. This has all of a sudden become a real good classic rivalry game. I think it's kind of taken the place of Mizzou and Kansas. Arkansas and Missouri has become a very spirited game. Give me your thoughts on how that's going to shake out on Saturday, on Friday.
3: I agree. If you go back to last year's um, game with the Razorbacks in Columbia, You know, it was a Harrison Mavis kick that that won the football game. And, you know, this game has become that uh, primarily because uh, Arkansas's defensive coordinator is Barry Odom, you know, Mizzou's former uh, player and head coach. Um, So I I think, and, you know, there are a number of former Mizzou players on uh, Sam Pittman's staff uh, on the defensive side of the ball. And I think for, for that reason... Uh, you know, it has become uh, more of an interesting rival that uh, rivalry game that kind of rivals what you know we knew for so many years with Missouri and Kansas, uh, and I don't expect that to change. You know, it's, it's sort of a natural uh, rivalry because it's a border state, and of course they call this game the uh, I guess it's the the Border War, if you will. There's this giant trophy that weighs like 500 pounds at uh, Missouri. Missouri, you know, has possession of it right now. And, I don't uh, I don't expect that to change uh anytime soon, uh as long as you've got a lot of those players there. Missouri's coach, Eli Drinkwitz, hails from Arkansas. So there's a lot of factors that make this game that much more interesting. And you know they've 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 been relatively close games the last couple of years and uh, you know, this Friday after Thanksgiving, uh I suspect it will be more of the same.
2: And Think about the fact a seven-win team gets better invites than a six-win team when it comes to bowl games.
3: No doubt about that. And you know, Missouri, well, they're just they're just playing well. Even though the offense isn't hasn't been as sharp, they've made plays when they needed to. Uh, looking back to you know Tyler Bates late touchdown to uh, pull Missouri within one, and then obviously the, the two-point conversion to win it. Uh, but the defense, I, I think, now has really started to play with a lot more confidence, realizing that when you play focused um, and, and you, you really focus in, hone in on the fundamentals of the game, tackling, covering. You had a guy that started his first game yesterday, cornerback DJ Jackson. What a tremendous outing he had. The guy, he was covering guys all over the field. He made some big hits. Um, he looked like he had been playing, you know, for a couple of years in the SEC. Uh, and, and that's the kind of, to me, talent that you're going to see going forward that Eli Drinkwitz is, is going to, A, recruit uh, and also develop. Uh, it, you know, there's no way this guy, you should have played as, as well as he did, you know, being a first-time starter. But that just shows, you know, I, I think, how devoted this coaching staff is into coaching players up to be, you know, solid players in this league and be competitive among the leaders. You know, watch out for Missouri in the next couple of years.
2: All right. I'm going to take your word for it. Uh, before we get out of here, you got got uh, your alma mater, the Dallas Cowboys, paying a trip over to Kansas City to take on the Chiefs. That that should be a very entertaining game.
3: Yeah. And in fact, Mike, I am uh, in Kansas City because uh, I'll be at that game this afternoon and I know the chiefs are a, a two point favorite at home. Um, I think that, you know, and, and they're playing a lot better than they were earlier in the season. Uh, but I think the Cowboys offensive weapons are going to be a little bit, uh, much for the Kansas city chiefs. Um, I don't know if their defense is up to being able to stop the number one team, uh, in the NFL on offense. Uh, but it should be an exciting, uh, matchup, uh, full house. It's going to be a beautiful day for football. And, uh, I am anxious to see my uh, my Cowboys get it done today.
2: All right. Well, I'll look forward to talking to you later in the week. Have a good Thanksgiving. Have fun. Be safe on the way back. And uh, we'll have a good time uh, with the Cowboys today in Missouri, hopefully on Friday against Arkansas.
3: Absolutely. Hey, thanks, my brother. Thank I'll you, sir. You
2: have a good one. Howard Richards, huddle up with Howard. Check it out, folks. It's a fun podcast. All right, we'll take a break. When we come back, we'll talk some baseball with the president of baseball operations. He is John Moselock of the St. Louis Cardinals, and that comes your way after this timeout.
1: There's a high fly ball. Welcome back to the Meyer Jensen Sports on a Sunday morning. And it's a gutter. Big fly, Nolan Arenado. Meyer Jensen, a personal entry law firm, because sometimes the gloves have to come off. MeyerJensen.com. And the Billikens win this one. Touchdown! Kansas City! On
2: America's Sports Voice, KMOX. 11.30 in Middle America. Let's go back to the Quiver River Electric Cooperative Guest Line and standing by as the president of Baseball Operations. He is John Like John, how are you, man? It's been a while since we talked. Yeah, doing well, Cleggs. How are you? I cannot complain about one thing. I am in a very good state of mind. So let's talk a little bit about you and what's going on with the organization. Um, Fall League is now in the books. You've had a chance to figure out who your Rule 5 guys are going to be or the ones you're going to leave exposed. Uh, Give me your thoughts on the organization from a minor league perspective because you've got a lot of things going on right now.
4: Yeah, I actually feel pretty good about um, our minor league system when you think about how we've always tried to have the strategy of of a strong pipeline and to have that sort of continuing flow of of talent, hopefully that can uh, knock on the big league door this year, but ultimately support our goals of trying to be successful. So I think, like all of us um, that look at what we have going on in our minor league system right now, um, are really thrilled at what we're seeing. So I think the fall league was perhaps a bit of an exclamation point on what I'm trying to say in the sense of you know from an offensive standpoint, those guys really swung the bat. And um, I think uh, you probably saw that even Yepes was named Offensive Player of the Year there. So. Um, it just really speaks highly of, of what we have going on. And, you know, that's at the upper level and there's still some things going on that, that some names that, that won't really be on your radar for another year or so, but, you know, overall the depth of what you're seeing from our offensive side of things is exciting. And, you know, of course, a guy like a who, you know, we, we imagine we'll be pitching in the big leagues at some point this year, you know, didn't even participate in the fall league because he had a full season. And then it was nice to see Thompson, um, sort of basically reclaim his status as a, as a true prospect and using the fall league to do
2: it. Is there one position that you feel like you've got a lot of talent that's maybe closer to being big league ready than maybe another spot?
4: Um, I would say overall, when you, when you look at our depth right now, we have guys that can play the infield that look like they're swinging the bats. Well, we have guys that can play the outfield that um, are knocking on the door. So, I think, again, like, you know, overall, you got to feel pretty good about it. And like we didn't even mention like Herrera, who's a catcher. So, you know, we're pretty diverse in in how you think about like what we're covering from a prospect standpoint, and and that's really good news.
2: You have been a guy that I've I've, I've known over the years where you don't get over excited, but in this in your tone now, it seems like you feel like all the pieces are. Or moving in the place where the transition from one level of the minors is, is going in a positive direction right now.
4: Well, I think what's interesting is is when you look back at, at 2021 and you look at our minor leagues, and you know, I think most people from the outside would give you a black eye or, mm-hmm. or tell you you didn't do very well, but you know, you have to remind yourself that I think we were the 28th or 29th youngest. System in all of baseball, and so we had a lot of young men playing probably a level above where they should have been, but we pushed them on purpose. I think you'll look at twenty twenty two as a time for us to recalibrate that, but overall, just seeing the emergence of these these young men and what they've been doing is, is just there a lot to be excited about right now.
2: The expiration of the c b a is looming uh did you have an notice? At or and since the general manager meetings, anyone uh, things were accelerated at all, be it other teams looking to make deals, or uh, we can always talk about agents wanting to do a deal for their guys. But did you see a, a change in the tone as far as how things are working?
4: You know, from my perspective, now um, it seems to me at this point just a very normal November. Um, as you know, that November has its own sort of pace. December tends to be where things can can sort of pick up as you enter the winter meetings as you're holding the winter meetings and when you come out of the winter meetings. And so nothing really unusual from my perspective at this point. And, you know, we're still trying to address some pitching needs. And from our perspective, you know, do I anticipate something being done before the end of the month? It's really hard to say. I mean, like, like any type of negotiation, you sometimes have a sense of, really who you're competing against or how many people you're competing against and sometimes you have a a pretty good idea of of when you might get something concluded by but at this point you know i think we're just going to try to take it day by day and uh you know as we enter the thanksgiving week we'll still be fairly active on the phones and trying to see if we can't uh, move the needle somewhere but you know in terms of getting something done or change of pace nothing's very unusual to me
2: you know, I'm sure you have that shopping list, and we're not going to name names, but I'm sure you have priorities. And, and for this year, you have some money, you have some talent, and you touched on some of your minor league prospects. that certainly would be intriguing to some teams. Uh, what is the priority, though? Is it, is it We're going to start with pitching, maybe a little bit more pitching, and maybe even some more pitching after that, or will you try and spread it out a little bit?
4: No, I think that's pretty well said. I mean, I, I like our everyday club. I think uh... – you know, we just touched on a lot of these younger players that are are likely to emerge onto the scene here in the next uh, 24 months. So I don't want to really block any of them um, at this point. And in terms of, you know, probably the one area that I think gets picked on a lot is, is shortstop. And I just want to remind people that, you know, 2020 is a tough year for Paulie D. There's no doubt um, with the COVID season and then. You know this past year he broke ribs, and when you're a hitter that's that's tough, so you know as as we look to twenty twenty two i'm I'm still pretty optimistic that you're going to see something out of him, but in the meantime, you know there's lots of doors to be knocked and and lots of uh phone numbers to be dialed, so we'll just see what happens over the next few months.
2: do you anticipate the d h in twenty twenty two I know that that's going to be something that's going to be discussed, but it seems like teams are gearing up to make sure especially the national league teams to make sure that they're covered with that particular position but how do you feel about it you think that's something we're going to see
4: you know i i always hate sort of speculating on the cba right now because of uh of sort of all the unknowns and you know i i think we've all sort of been in the mindset that that is something that's likely going to happen but i think you know from our perspective we'll make sure that uh, we keep some reserves just in case and if not, we'll still figure out a way to get by. But, like, overall, I, I think, like, you know, when you're looking at, at, at all the different possibilities of what may happen, that might be the most difficult part of, of trying to plan right now is just sort of the uncertainty of what's happening um, with potential rules. So, you know, just going to remain open-minded. And as I've told, like, everybody that I work with, you know, perhaps the best strategy this offseason is just to – remain where you have some flexibility and and remain nimble. So should things change, you can you can pivot quickly.
2: Winter meetings are scheduled to take place after the uh, CBA, uh, hopefully. And and I'm one of those guys that's hopeful, but nobody else seems to be where the expiration comes up before the winter meetings. Will there be a winter meetings if, if there's a lockout?
4: So my understanding, if there is a lockout, the, the major league portion of the meetings would not happen. And in terms of, of the minor league side, I think those would um, there would be some adjustments made to that side.
2: Speaking of adjustments to the minor leagues, give me your thoughts on Major League Baseball, stepping up and, and taking care of these minor leaguers when it comes to housing and making sure that they can eat and do the things that you know a lot of people just didn't know was going on. Give me your thoughts on how that's going to shake out and, and the impact it can have on the game overall.
4: Well, obviously, I think it's it's a it's a positive development for all these young men. It's, you know, minor leagues are tough. Uh, it's it's a really hard business. I think a lot of people always, like, sort of reflect on, well, you know, for the last 30 years, guys have come up and, and, and succeeded. But I think the, the pressure of, of trying to make sure from a dietary standpoint, from a recovery standpoint has become such an emphasis in, in all of sports. It's something that I think you know, it's become something that we as an industry have to give it real attention. And so now I hope that um, taking some of the stress away from the player in terms of trying to find living space or, or you know, eliminating the uh, seven or eight guys per, per um, apartment might be a little more helpful. And of course, you know, anything we can do from a food standpoint, we're going to try to do. I, I just, you know, I would say that's been something even before the rule changes, we've been actively trying to help out as well because we understand the importance of that.
2: A couple other things for you. Um, your coaching staff has said Skip Schumacher is going to be part of it and also Turner Ward. Give me your thoughts on Turner Ward and what you saw on him and why you felt this would be a good match.
4: Well, really, we were looking for the right complement for Jeff. Um, you know, you think about the, the type of coach Jeff Albert is he's a, he's you know someone that embraces technology a lot of the the modern analytics that help devise how he thinks about preparation and and really the swing but we also knew that there was there was a a little bit of a void in terms of you know a player could go speak to someone that has some experience who's been there has done that And, you know, Turner Ward is someone that not only played at the big league level, but has has coached at at the major league level for many years. And so we just thought having someone with that type of um, experience or street cred, if you will, was, was something that made a lot of sense for us moving forward. In a lot of ways, that's why we had identified Skip Schumacher, too, because when you look at our coaching staff, with the exception of really Mad Dog and Willie, we don't have a lot of major league experience. But now you, you add two men that have not only played for over 10 years each at the, at the major league level, but have also coached. And I just think that'll be a great compliment for Ollie and really the rest of our coaches.
2: You're on the rules committee. Uh, if there's one thing you'd like to see examined or reexamined and, and it helps make the game better and more efficient, what might it be?
4: You know, I probably would have to say the strike zone. I wasn't prepared for that question, but I think... Wait a minute. Uh, Mo
2: is not prepared for a
4: question. You, you're the most prepared guy? No. Come on, man. I just, I, I just hadn't thought about it in terms of, like, ranking. But I think maybe the strike zone um, in terms of the ability to really change how that, that is called. Because I think, like, if you have the ability to lower it to some extent, you you, you might change sort of the the high fastball, mm-hmm. high spin, which I think, in a lot of ways, leads to a high strikeout.
2: Hmm. Um. Still there? Did we lose Mo? I think we did. We try and reconnect with him if we can. He he was in a bad. A, I didn't know throwing him a curveball like that was going to knock him off the air. I would I would have asked him about something else. But in, in any event, uh, if we get him back, fine. Um. Some interesting points he makes, but I, I'm anxious to hear because one of the things about the game that you hear a great deal is the pace of it. And I know Major League Baseball is, is obviously trying to fix it, but it's one of those situations where when you look at sporting events that take place in this country, seldom do you see a four-hour event unless it's something going into overtime or extra. Yeah, you want to give him a call back? Uh, But in baseball, which doesn't have a clock, uh, I think you lose a lot of people. Now, people who really are students of the game and stewards of the game will tell you, well, you know, nobody complains when it's a a game where there's a lot of runs being scored. You're right. They don't. But when you don't have it like that, uh, it it can be very taxing and trying. So do we have him back on? All right. Mo, I didn't know that curveball I threw you was going to knock you off the air, so it's my apologies.
4: Yeah, and I didn't hang up on purpose either. I think uh, <laughs> I, I, I received a text message, which I think uh, bumped us off. But as I was saying, I think the strike zone is probably something that I think could could really change how we think about the current game. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, one of the things that I think baseball would like to see is more balls in play, less strikeouts, and perhaps you know eliminating that that high fast ball, lowering the zone a little bit to get more balls in play might be something that. Uh, I think from a fan standpoint, might interest a lot of people. Any new
2: suggestions or ideas on pace of play? We, we we experimented with three batter minimum. I'm not sure if that's gone over like we thought it would. Anything else in the back of your brain is, you'd like to see that maybe they consider a little bit more?
4: Well, I think the pitch clock, if you look out at, mm-hmm. it, uh, like the Arizona Fall League has been using it now for a couple of years, and it's, it's certainly, um, I think, the pace of the game. Even if you go to a AAA game now, it's it's just, it is noticeable. And so, you know, it's working at, at those lower levels. So I don't know why you wouldn't want to try to see something at the major league level that would uh, maybe help uh, shorten the length of a game, but also create more pace. So um, I'd be in favor of that. All right. Hey, Mo,
2: uh, as always, it's great to visit with you. We thank you for your time. Uh, good hunting in this off season. Uh, I'm sure we'll talk again but more importantly, for you and your family, have a great Thanksgiving and uh, stay safe.
4: Yeah, happy Thanksgiving to you and uh, all the boys there at KMOX and uh, all our fans. So you guys be well. Take care, sir. John Moselak,
2: president of baseball operations for the St. Louis Cardinals. All right, when we come back, we'll round out the hour, talk a little college football. The rankings are going to change. I've got a Heisman Trophy candidate to suggest, and I think I know who the best receiver in the country is as well. And I'll tell you about that in a little bit
1: more when we return on KMOX. There's a high fly ball. Welcome back to the Meyer Jensen Sports on a Sunday morning. And it's a gutter. Big fly, Nolan Arenado. Meyer Jensen, a personal injury law firm. Because sometimes the gloves have to come off. MeyerJensen.com. And the Billikens win this one. Touchdown, Kansas City. On America's Sports Voice, KMOX.
2: Welcome back inside of our final segment here on a Sunday morning. Sports on a Sunday morning. I'm Mike Claiborne. And, as I mentioned going into the break, um, I, I'm not the biggest fan of the Heisman Trophy. Uh, I don't, I'm not really big on how it's selected. Uh, it's, it's become more of a popularity contest than anything else. But I do recognize it as something that people um, hold a standard to. It's been around for a long time, and you know there have been some great players who have won the award. I've always felt like it's an award for college athletes. Uh, not guys who are going to the pros. I've also felt that in in the situation of the Heisman Trophy, it should be for the best player, not the best quarterback, not the best running back. If you want to have that award, then let's name one for that guy and we'll we'll move on. But with that said, when you look at quarterbacks and the success that they've had at winning the award, you ask yourself the question, who's a candidate this year? And there have been some interesting names that were thrown out at the beginning of the year. But I'm not sure when you think about a pre- a player that's playing on a, on a nationally recognized team, is anyone having a better year than Bryce Young right now? I mean, he's thrown for over 3,000 yards. He's thrown for 33 touchdowns. He's only thrown three, I'll say it again, three interceptions. And uh, when you think about his passing skill, I'm sure the University of Arkansas would agree that he's a pretty good passer considering he threw for 589 yards yesterday. So that's a guy you might want to take into account. He's just a sophomore, so he'll be, he'll be back next year. And, oh, by the way, he's on the number two team in the country right now. And if you think about those teams, let's just say those four playoff teams, and, and that's going to change here in a bit because of uh, Oregon losing, I think he's the guy at this point. Now, I also mentioned maybe the best receiver in the country is from St. Louis, Missouri. And that's Jameis Williams uh, of Cardinal Ritter. Went to Ohio State, played there for a couple years. And I understand why he may not have got a lot of runners. You look at that bunch of Ohio State rolls out every Saturday. They're pretty good also. But he's getting a chance to play at Alabama. And he's got 1,200 yards of receiving. He's sixth in the country in receiving. He's averaging 20 yards a catch. Think about that. 20 yards a catch, that's 20% of the field with one catch. And he's doing it from everywhere. He's returned kicks and punts as well. Uh, he's a deep threat. I, I think when you look at how good he is, uh, if there's a better guy playing in a better program, now there are going to be guys that are going to have more balls, but as far as receptions are concerned, but I'm not sure when you talk about big big games, big-time programs, you know, uh, this guy's at the top of the list. And I'm not sure... Unless you go to Ohio State, they've got a very good group of receivers. Uh, but they may get lost in the shuffle. But I think Jameis Williams is as good as any receiver in the country right now. And here's what's interesting. And I'm going to pass this on to you Mizzou fans. We may see this same situation with uh, Luther Burton III, the third, and, and here's where I'm going. I think Missouri's got two years to turn this thing around because by year three, James, uh, Luther Burton III will be going somewhere else to a national power, like an Alabama, like an Ohio State, or somewhere where he would have a chance to win a national championship. I think that's what you're going to see with a lot of these top prospects. If they're not getting the love and not getting the wins in the school that they chose the first time around, they can play there for two years And then by year three, if they're going to be a destined pro, they're going to go somewhere where they're going to have a chance to win the whole shooting match. They're going to go somewhere where they have a chance to win a Heisman Trophy or another award of some sort. I think that's going to be a pattern we're going to see more of, and it's something we should all be paying attention to. So for Eli Drinkwitz and his staff and everybody in Columbia, you better go get some offensive linemen. You better get some guys who can block for whoever's going to be the quarterback and making sure you can continue to find runners like what we're seeing with Beatty. And at that point, there's no reason to go anywhere because you're going to be a power. So that's something we ought to pay attention to because I don't think this is the last time we're going to see it. So again, Bryce Young, I think is a Heisman Trophy candidate, if not the guy in the clubhouse with the lead. And Jameis Williams is the best receiver in the country playing in a a legitimate big-time program as we speak. Want to debate it? I'm around all week. Love to hear your thoughts. You can hit me up on Twitter at clavesonline.com, or is it yeah at, at clavesonline? I don't even know my own Twitter handle these days. But give me your thoughts on that because I think it's going to be something we'll be talking a great deal more about, especially as we get near that bowl season, with uh, Missouri obviously having a chance to to enhance their record. Man, seven wins on a resume looks a whole lot better than six. Arkansas is going to be in a pretty ornery mood. I wonder how beat up they got yesterday taking on Alabama. And Alabama has that ability to really punish you. So we'll see if they can recover in time. But in any event, it's going to be a good game. And I know Howard talked about the rivalry. I think the rivalry went back to when Gary Pinkle was coaching and Brett Bielman was at Arkansas. And if you recall, Bielman was doing a lot of chirping about Gary Pinkle and his program Didn't go over well for some in Columbia. And I think that's really when it started. And they just started flat out not liking each other, as Charlie Spoonhour would say. So now that you've moved to the situation where, as as Howard alluded to, Eli's from Arkansas, Barry Odom coached in Missouri. It's right on the border. And realistically, folks, that's a game that should have been played well before Arkansas uh, and Missouri were in the same conference. I'm a big believer that you play the territorial uh, powers of major conferences which is why Missouri should be playing Illinois in a non-conference game um, at some point. And I know they're going to do it here fairly soon, but I think those are some some games on the schedule you should always have there. So we'll see how things unfold. But in any event, a lot of great things going on in St. Louis this week, starting with soccer this afternoon. Blues in action uh, tomorrow night against the Vegas Knights. That's going to be a good game. And there'll be a few other things taking place leading up to St. Louis U on the road. They're going to be in Cancun, Mexico um, playing, and you can hear that action here on X. And as you know, uh, Missouri is going to be playing Arkansas in uh, football on Friday. Illinois has Northwestern, their final game on Saturday, and uh, a lot of good things going on. So hopefully you can pick something out that you're going to enjoy because this is what we live for, the games. The games are good. And don't forget, later this afternoon, we have Kansas City hosting the Dallas Cowboys. I'm not sure if it's going to be more fun than that, And when you look at the schedule, that might be the best game of the weekend. So we'll see how that develops, but it should be fun. Weather's going to be good over in Kansas City, so hopefully everybody will have a good time over there and may the best team win. I don't don't really care. I'm, I'm not a fantasy guy anymore. I don't really care about the teams, although I do pick games, so I am concerned about that. And I think I took Kansas City in that one, so we'll see how things develop. All right, James O'Sullivan, thank you so much for helping out behind the board today. We are just about out of time for this afternoon. Again, Kansas City Chiefs football comes up a little after 3 this afternoon on KMOX. I'll be back doing the Glover Show on Friday after Thanksgiving. Bob Ramsey's going to join me, and we have surprises galore for that show, and I'll be back next Sunday as well. So for everybody here, we thank you for listening. We look forward to talking to you later in the week. More importantly, have a great, safe Thanksgiving, and be kind to each other during this holiday season, and it starts today. Have a great afternoon, everyone.